0: Hello there. Welcome to episode 75 of the Oblivious Maximus podcast. Um, the new version of me talking to people, um, while we're all stuck in our houses as the world is ravaged by coronavirus. Um, this episode is with my friend Bo, who plays guitar in harm's way from Chicago, um, Bo wanted to talk about Pretty Hate Machine by Nine Inch Nails so that's what we talked about and um, I, I mean I obviously know who Nine Inch Nails are and I've listened to their music before but I'm not a huge fan or someone that's hugely experienced with their music um, so it was cool to talk to someone who is a big fan of it and who really likes the record and get some insight into how that you know has then influenced Bo and influenced harm's way and things like that too um and yeah it was cool i had a good time listening to the record um there's some songs on it that i will now probably continue to listen to for you know the remainder of my adult life which is interesting and kind of why i wanted to do this as well because it's forcing me into listening to music that i uh, you know might not otherwise listen to a bit different from the first episode of this with lee in that um you know i knew that record very well and really like it this one i didn't know that much about and it was interesting to look into more uh, information about nine inch nails and learn a bunch of weird shit about them and you know some of that becomes apparent in the episode as well um yeah i'm recording a bunch of these at the moment and trying to get them up and out as quickly as i can so you know please have a listen and show them to people and again let me know if there's records or people you want me to uh records you want me to talk about or people you want me to talk to and um i'll look into it um but yeah this one is uh from harm's way um chatting about pretty hate machine by nine inch nails thanks for listening fucking brutal (laughs) Oh, thank you for talking to me for this new version of the podcast. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. It's always funny when you do that after you've just been talking to someone.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, yeah, we don't know each other and we haven't just been talking nonsense. Oh,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> um, all right. Nine Inch Nails. Why Why this record?
1: Um, That's a really good question. Uh, I think this record is important on like a number of levels my mom was really into nine Inch nails when i was growing up so i like always knew about them and they were like on the radio and stuff particularly later records but i remember songs from this record being on the on on the radio here in chicago too yeah and um so it was just always kind of in the back of my mind you know and you know how when you you're like growing up and your parents are into something and you just kind of like, well, that obviously sucks. Yeah. So I'm not even going to bother. And then you come of age and kind of revisit things and you realize like, Oh, there's a reason that this was like a huge band. In yeah, yeah. Sometimes there's no reason, you know, and it's just <laughs> a huge band from the nineties, but sure. this is one of those bands that like when, when you asked me and the reason I was sweating, even picking a record to talk about with you was like, I really wanted to do pick like a difficult record to talk about because sure. for me, this record is like, it's like a huge diamond with a big crack in it because there's a lot of like really amazing um, sequencing and instrumentation and, and like interesting um, things that he did. But also some of like, there's like terrible lyrics on this oh, yeah, like cringy, horrible lyrics and like really dated sounds but it kind of works and i don't know it's just like a confusing little rubik's cube of a puzzle yeah and i think that that's just conducive to a good conversation so that's really why i wanted to pick it and talk to you about it Mm. but um as i I listened to it yesterday while i was doing stuff and um even a little bit today just to kind of really (laughs) be immersed yeah yeah and and you realize that like I don't know. I, I'm not like a huge industrial music guy, especially in like the classic sense of industrial music of like, you know, like skinny puppy. And I don't know. Like I was researching bands today, to even in this moment that I knew I was going to come to be able to list off the top of my head that I can't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, like a lot of those bands are kind of, at least for me, like even ministry, who's like a band that I really like that's from Chicago that are like, one of along with nine inch nails one of the like staple american industrial bands yeah um they have a lot of songs that i just like have to skip i can't listen to seven minutes of like weird samples like i'm just like not into that yeah you know and that's a lot of what like like skinny puppy does a lot of what um like white house does and like uh nurse with wound just like stuff like like other industrial bands that are that were around a lot before this record came out yeah sure. and so i was trying to to think like well why why is this record particularly good mm. whereas those other ones are like this record doesn't have anything that i choose to skip except for the sad song because it actually crushes me yeah <laughs> and i realized that it, it's because it's a pop record
0: yeah well that that's what like my- that's like the first note that i made about it. yes i mean obviously i've heard the record but i'm not like I guess the thing for me with, like, <clears throat> I guess I found industrial stuff through metal bands that were doing industrial stuff. Like, exactly. I, I didn't listen to this before I heard metal kind of thing. But I think, what I mean, one of the, yeah like, one of the notes that I wrote is, like, as an adult now, Nine Inch Nails as a band to me now is, like, very associated with metal, like, very and with heavy music, I guess. Probably, mm-hmm. I, I mean you know, in part due by the influence that it has on people's bands. Not, you know, not to mention, like, even, you know, harm's way, having industrial sounding parts and, you know, um, sampling and things like that. Um, but I guess the whole time I was listening to it, I was like, it's funny that in my head I associate Nine Inch Nails with metal. And then I was listening to the record. And I'm like, this is a pop record. This is like and it's got like dance music parts in it, basically. <laughs> like it's it's
1: literally like an aggressive dance record in the
0: structuring Yeah, of
1: pop music because everything is like verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, verse, chorus, like every time. And that's, and then the choruses themselves are like really catchy.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like they're
1: like, you sing along to them, the melodies are easy, there's hooks in every song. Yeah. You know, it's a very, so that's what I thought was really cool is like, that's, you know, obviously Pretty Hate Machine went on to go triple platinum yeah (laughs) it's it's like it obviously caught on and it's because it's it's like this weird aggressive pop music that he sampled other pop bands and like hip-hop bands for you know like it's the weirdest and and also like something that always blows my mind about this record is it came out in 1989 yeah
0: that, that, like again, I didn't. I didn't realize that either when I was looking it up yesterday. Again, like I, uh, like I suppose for me, like obviously I know the sort of trajectory of this band. But even like when I've been doing the couple other mm. records that I've been listening to to do this again, that people have been choosing, this is like the third record where I've been like, oh shit, this record is really old. <laughs> like it's not. Yeah, yeah. Like and and I guess I think probably another thing that confuses, uh, like I guess. Confuse me with, I suppose, this band as as its life cycle. I suppose is the fact that, like, um, the the record Trent Reznor specifically is still actively making music very regularly. Obviously, now he's doing a lot of movies and things like that, and TV mm-hmm. shows and stuff. But like this, this dude is still very like active and still doing the you know it's the grown it's the grown and developed version, but he's still essentially making this really you know synth, you know, very sampled, heavy um, electronic music. But it's just grown into instead of being for records now, it's for fucking huge movies and TV shows and stuff like
1: it's wild, man. Uh, there's there's like a few artists, particularly in like, I don't know, less. I mean, obviously, it's funny because like you have to call this mainstream music, hmm. but I would consider it like less mainstream yeah. music. You know what I mean? Because it's like it's well, aggressive, it's abrasive, yeah 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 but there's a a few artists in that realm who live in the like the the not so mainstream mainstream music who i think are like certifiable geniuses Mm -hmm. um like glenn danzig is like a good example like whether you like him or not the guys had a career of putting out really good music from the late 70s into the mid 90s yeah that's wild i mean that's fucking insane and has arguably influenced yeah. thrash music which oh. created metallica you know what i mean so it's just yeah. kind of like okay yeah that's insane so he gets my stamp of genius and honestly Trent Reznor didn't like create industrial music or electronic music by any means like even this kind of like sample heavy rhythmic music was already happening for like 10 years in the 80s but what he did and you can literally say what he did because he did it yeah like on his own is like Put it in this structure of pop music that made it really accessible to people who like like certain aspects of it, but don't want to listen to you know s- like harsh
0: noise type music yeah, that yeah. other artists were doing at the time. Well, I so I guess obviously if you you'd heard the band when oh cat sorry <laughs> come on man
1: let me uh, actually he won't meow he's just gonna no, no, chill cool. on my lap.
0: My dog's been running in and out of here, like, trying to see what I'm doing, but she just keeps leaving. (laughs) He's been sleeping all day. That's the first time I've heard him. He just, like, checked and he left already. He's just (laughs) over it. Um, Well, yeah, so I guess if you'd heard of the band, do you specifically remember hearing songs off this record when you were younger or was this something that came later for you?
1: I remember. Okay, so. To be fair, I don't know if it was on the radio or if it was in my mom's like tape deck. Mm-hmm. She we had uh, cassette tapes. Yeah, um, but I do specifically remember "Closer" from two records after this yeah. being on the radio, and them editing out the the f word. Yeah, yeah. sure. And my dad being really mad that it was even on the radio. <laughs> um, but the the but like whether or not I mean, dude, what's crazy is like this record had like some leftovers that became the Broken EP which was the next thing yeah. that they put out after this. So it's an EP. It's five songs. They won a Grammy for it. Yeah. And like that performance at Woodstock 99 with the mud and all that shit. Yeah, yeah. Was off of this record and then that EP. Yeah, that's crazy. Who on earth has done that much with one LP and an EP, a Grammy, major tours and you have like one of the most infamous Woodstock sets yeah, yeah. of like obviously the later Woodstocks. Yeah.
0: It's like how like it's it's really yeah stuff wouldn't the band stuff is, wouldn't last that long anymore. Like it wouldn't no it wouldn't hang way. around for that long. <laughs> Attention spans are so short Yeah. like I I don't know.
1: It, it, Nine Inch Nails has always been a really strange like interesting band to me. Yeah. Um but this this one in particular especially cuz like there was just like a couple demos before that. And then he put this out and it's yeah. just like,
0: well, what, what are you doing? Well, and as well, like the other thing that I, I guess I didn't realize because I've never looked too deep into the record until I was listening to it yesterday. I didn't realize that like the dude, you know, the guy who produced and engineered the record did like five Nick Cave records before this and did Joshua Tree by U2 was the record yeah, he did right before it. And then he went on to do like every you know other big U2 record after that like I just I mean that's something that I would like to look into further is like how then Trent Reznor just was like oh you know this is this first thing that I'm doing with this with Nine Inch Nails oh, I'll just yeah. get the guy who just did one of like the biggest rock records of all time to come and do this with me <laughs> like it's wild I I yeah
1: I don't know like there's there's lots of stuff too because like Another tie-in with, with him and, and Danzig, in my opinion, is like he always had a really good live lineup. Yeah. Like the Danzig 1-3 through three lineup is possibly the best oh, yeah. amalgamation it's, of band members that has ever existed. Yeah, it's stacked. It's insane. And to to take what he had created in the studio and, and what everyone had been hearing and the, to make it translate so well in a live setting. Yeah. And but it's all like old electronics and it's just like they're actually playing the synths and they're yeah. actually playing shit live. It's just like I don't I don't know how to do that
0: now. Yeah, yeah. With with like the... with a MacBook. Yeah. You know <laughs> what
1: I mean? And they're doing it back then with like a million components and all this shit and like dude, I mean, you see a band now when when you know, like the wire, their wireless pack or whatever cuts out and they, they like freeze up, don't know what to do. Imagine all the shit that's going wrong. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Well, that's just like that was one of the other notes I made was like if listening to this record now and then listening to it in the context of the fact that Trent Reznor is making like huge, huge soundtracks for movies and TV shows and things like that, if you li- just listening to this record, like I, I was just listening to it with headphones on and I was like, I, I was thinking like, Like kind of what you said before, like a lot of it does sound really lo-fi now, I guess, in the scope of where his music has gone, but also where the capacity of music has gone. But I think the other thing with that, though, is just thinking again back at, at the time that this came out, like you said, like the late 80s, like I'm sure constructing this would have been like you just mentioned, like it would have been so difficult and it wouldn't it's none of it is oh, it's just you do five things on your laptop. Like, it's fucking enormous things that are all plugging into each other. And you to make one thing sound one way, you've got to trigger two other things to sound, you know. I, I really
1: like there's a picture on the Wikipedia for this uh, record of the Mac that he used to make <laughs> a lot of this, do all the sequencing and a lot of the, the synth samples. And like, it looks like a joke. Like, it, it's what it's what I played. Uh, oregon trail on yeah. when i was a kid you know what i mean like it's literally like wait, yeah.
0: you made a triple
1: platinum record with that
0: <laughs> you know like that's what i learned how to think, do touch typing on in school
1: <laughs> dude and think about what else came out in 1989
0: yeah you
1: know I what i mean. mean like like the bands that were out like like metallica had been out yeah you know what i mean like and justice came out in what 87
0: yeah or was that master i think i thought it was on no yeah it no maybe it was 88 88 yeah because it was like two the, year cycles or something so they're writing the black album you yeah, know yeah. What i mean and like obviously
1: i adore that record yeah and that's my favorite band but like when you really compare oh yeah <laughs> like just the thought process of like one is like okay you're you're writing the black album and it's like major blues scales yeah or, i'm sorry minor blues scales and you know like okay yeah like at least i can like pick up a guitar and figure out how someone wrote enter sandman like it makes yeah, sense yeah. like i i get it fucking terrible lie yeah how do, how I do you do know i have no idea yeah i have literally no idea and i think that's really cool yeah uh so, something that they did they had all of their stems from every record on a website or not every record but from most of the records on a website oh wow that anyone could go to and download and then sample in their songs.
0: Yeah, right. I didn't know that. So that's, that's
1: like, sick. and he was also like super pro downloading music pro Napster. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which, you know, in the long run, I think ended up <laughs> like the, the, the switch that we've all universally had towards subscription based services has yeah. definitely affected music in like a negative way. I think, hmm. um, cause Lars was right. Yeah. but. <laughs> It's it's a really cool, almost like punk kind of DIY mentality of like I don't care, I want this out. Here's all this shit for free. Yeah. Here's all my stems for all my songs for free. Take them, use them, sample them, do what I did with a Public Enemy record, yeah, and a yeah. David Bowie record, and like all this shit that he was into, and like that's another consideration for me on top of the pile of like how can someone who's like a crazy drug addict and going through obvious turmoil in their life be so in tune with like not only what mass people want to hear right Mm. like the people like the the three million records they sold yeah yeah and and like commercial success like what it takes to get there but he's also in tune with like punk rock ethos and like like oh no this is free download it use it i don't care
0: yeah for sure i mean i think i think one of the other things to to this as well was like um I guess, like, I think that also speaks to the influence then that a record and a band like this has then on the more, like, underground music. Like, Mm -hmm. like, I think, and I mean, I think that's a big part of, you know, like, I'd say as well, like, that's a big part of why people, you know, in this, you know, metal punk hardcore scene and stuff, like, they like Rage Against the Machine as well. Like, the band, ostensibly, the band that it was, was just... Like kind of, you know, like you mentioned with Metallica, like a fucking basic blues scale rock band. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. it had it had rapping. So, that's obviously part, part you know, a different part to it. But for all intents and purposes, that band was just like a normal rock band. But the attitude that it had was what lifted it into, I think, a lot of relevance and then particularly held it through with with, uh, in the more like underground music scene, I think. And I think that with Nine Inch Nails, too, like- you know the the vi- those videos of him just like smashing the shit out of keyboards and stuff and like and again like that i'm sure that keyboard didn't cost 5 dollars like it cost like a no. $1000 <laughs> yeah. yeah like
1: it said uh somewhere in here that on their first tour there was a particular keyboard that he enjoyed breaking <laughs> like because it was so expensive yeah he like enjoyed doing it well it's <laughs> just like shit like that it's just like Okay. All right. <laughs> like, you're a, a maniac, but it's it's
0: working. Yeah, let it. You know.
1: Um,
0: I guess with that then, how, like you mentioned, there's, you know, a song you don't like listening to on it. Yeah. How does, how does a record like this, like, as an adult now, how does a record like this make you feel? Because I know a lot of, like, a lot of these records that have, that are, you know, this, like, obviously, this dude was going through some shit when he was recording it. I think when when I was a kid or when I was younger and I was also, like, going through some shit, records like this would, you know, were great for that because it was like you had someone else that you could listen to that was, you know, even if it wasn't the same thing. Obviously, you know, when I was a teenager and my parents got divorced, I wasn't also a drug addict, but at least music yeah. released by drug addicts for some reason Absolutely. connected with me was this something that at, at a point connected with you like that or was it purely the music that got you um
1: i think you know growing up in like the music worlds that you and i both have yeah when you kind of go from like punk to hardcore or metal to hardcore and then always back to metal mm. like it just kind of the the anger was there right yeah. so like you're you're shown this record that's like hey this is aggressive and this guy's not really singing like he's pretty much yelling yeah and like everything is minor everything is ugly and mean sounding but it's just presented to you in a different way yeah and like that resonated with me for some reason even when i was like in in high school and stuff i always thought that band was cool yeah um when i listen to it now i'm i'm a little more impressed just by the like what we were just talking about just like the engineering yeah the sure. actual like task the technicality of creating of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah especially now having having been involved with writing and sure. recording records and like even even me trying to do stuff at home on fucking ableton yeah i'm like i can't believe that someone <laughs> can do that right um but there are you know like this i i can't listen to something i can never have that's a song like that's like the slow piano song yeah yeah Um, that's a song that I literally skip because even the first like note of that piano starting in the beginning, just like freaks me out. And I was definitely going through some stuff along, like almost, mm, almost 10 years ago now, Hmm. before I was, I was um, with Casey. And before I was like, just in a good spot where I like literally that, that song I was, there's a lyric in the song where he says, I'm down to just one thing and I'm starting to scare myself. And it was like, Holy shit. Like, yeah, I don't care it doesn't matter why anyone's feeling that way right like i don't yeah. i don't care if it's because a dog died or you broke up with your girlfriend or you know you're a, a junkie and you can't get a fix like what, whatever yeah you know what i mean that's a person who's like as you're listening to it and going through something that's somebody who's there you mm. know and and for some reason i don't know why but that was just out of all the music you know that that anyone listens to and that i've i've listened to that was That's like the only song I can think of off the top of my head that I have to skip. Yeah, right. Unless I'm ready to like experience some like real raw like emotions, you know? Yeah. And uh, I went, I saw them play at Riot Fest in 2000. I think it was either 16 or 17 here in Chicago. And it was cool because it went ministry... And I saw Ministry, and then I saw New Order, and then I saw Nine Inch Nails, like kind of all in a row. Yeah, yeah. And it was awesome, and it was really good. And I I saw it with my mom, who loves Nine Inch Nails, so it was really cool. I was able to to take her. And we're watching it, and they started playing that song. Mm. Like the the piano sample started, and I heard my – I didn't say anything. And my mom, my little mom, was right next to me, and I heard her just say really quietly, she went, Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and great. and it was it was nice it was just kind of like uh i was okay to watch it obviously i couldn't mute them or anything yeah. i couldn't leave <laughs> couldn't in a huge yeah field full of people and i was okay to to like experience it but that's i don't know there's just something about the there's like a it sounds like a, a cello in the background during like the chorus part but it, it sounds more like a almost like a song being slowed down, but I think it's a cello. I think it's yeah. some kind of stringed instrument. There's like, a, and once that all starts happening, it sounds so like desperate. Yeah. That's sure. like the, the word is like that song is like pure desperation. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why, but it just really resonates with me. Yeah. Sick. And well, then it goes immediately into like a fun yeah. dancey <laughs> kind of, <laughs> I, I want so. to is like right after it. Um, but let me see if I can think of the opposite of that. So there, there's a song that had like a profound effect with me mm-hmm. um, in like a weird cathartic way, but it got me to like a good, like I feel good about it. I'm like comfortable with it. I just don't need to visit. I don't need to yeah, open yeah, that yeah. door. You know what I mean? Sure. It's just like the one room in the house that I don't really need to get into. Uh, inversely, I think it's, I think it's, that's what I get. I have to, let me look up lyrics real quick to this song. yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's called That's What I Get. That's what I get. And the lyrics are just like yeah, just sure. kind of juvenile. Yeah, Just kind of something I could have seen myself writing yeah. back in high school. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Well, and let's... it's just like the lyrics are, just when everything was making sense, you took away all my self-confidence. Now all that I've been hearing must be true. I guess I'm not the only boy for you. And like even the second he says boy, <laughs> like, okay, let's 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 look really quick. He is as of today fifty-four. <laughs> so that means thirty years ago he was twenty-four. Yeah. So you're so, singing boy. Yeah. You know, as a twenty-four year old. So that's a little like, uh and then it goes, How could you turn us into this after you just taught me how to kiss you? I don't know if you remember, but he goes, You in that part. And then I told you I'd never say goodbye. I'm slipping on the tears you made me cry.
0: Oh my! Yeah. And it,
1: it, it's just like oh yeah. It's, man. Def- it's
0: definitely like your first high school band. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
1: And but that's what I think is so interesting about this record is <clears throat> is like it isn't perfect. Yeah. It's not a perfect record. Like there are when, when I was listing off records uh, that I that we were going to potentially talk about, all the other ones I sent you I consider like perfect. Sure records like flawless top to bottom um which for anyone who's curious was uh homogenic by bjork what's the story morning glory by oasis what was the other one i said
0: let me look i can't remember now yeah
1: something good i was i was almost going to say the black album but that's also not a there's
0: there's skippable songs yeah oh disintegration by the queue
1: oh yeah yeah yeah. disintegration so out of all of those the pretty hate machine is definitely the least perfect out of all sure those. yeah like like easily well, because even even um the rap song uh down in it yeah yeah I think it's called yeah down in it like kind of like a cloud i was up way up in the sky and i was <laughs> feeling some feelings you know it's just kind of like what on earth is (laughs) happening like it's like this weird you know but then and i always i always kind of scoffed at that song um for like however long like i just thought it was a silly very dated song Mm -hmm. you know he's writing it recording in 1989 he's sampling public enemy on the record he is into hip-hop probably the same way i'm into electronic music i like like the production of it sure yeah i don't really care for the ethos of like these industrial bands of like well it's music for an industrial era because the machines have taken all of our like (laughs) i'm good i'm good i don't need i just i like what you're doing and so i always kind of counted it like that yeah but then i don't know if you've ever seen this i'm not gonna play it or anything but for anyone curious and and for you to watch later Mm -hmm. uh they played a show called dance usa i think a tv show dance party usa which was a tv show yeah oh sorry hold on and i believe if i'm not mistaken metallica's back excuse you (laughs) i believe if i'm not mistaken it was filmed in chicago i think that's where it was filmed yeah and but it's like a it's literally like I could be wrong about the Chicago thing, but it's literally like um what was, what were those old shows like our parents would have watched like Top of the Pop
0: yeah yeah and like or like in the, Australia the it was called Countdown it's just and it was like there's videos of people playing on it and yeah it was yeah. all mimed and stuff yeah exactly exactly so that's what they're doing yeah it's a
1: live video does this have a screen grab function
0: I think so share screen down the bottom
1: yeah here let's let's i don't know if you can if maybe you edit this out later or something but
0: (laughs) that's okay it's pertinent to the conversation
1: yeah it it is and hopefully someone looks this up you can literally look up on youtube nine inch nails on dance party usa you ready (laughs) yeah yeah i don't know if you're gonna be able to hear it but it doesn't it's beside the point okay (laughs) so it's it's all pantomimed they're not even plugged in yeah guy back here is playing electronic drums so, when I saw this, though, I was like, wait a minute. I looked into it, by the way, and they they played it almost as like a joke.
0: Yeah, I'm sure. They
1: like thought it would be someone submitted it or like they jokingly submitted it. And I was like, or I, rather they thought like this would be kind of funny. Yeah. It would be
0: like different. Is bizarre. I had no idea it, that they did something like this. this is crazy. So, but when you're watching it and you realize like, yo, this is just a club song. This is just yeah, a yeah, song yeah.
1: for like goth kids in a club somewhere to dance to yeah and suddenly i like appreciate this song especially because they're so like they're totally aware of how silly they look oh yeah but they don't care they're just rocking
0: (laughs) just rocking on
1: dance body usa i love it i can't believe that this exists so highly recommended whoever's listening look this up really quick yeah it is awesome (laughs) I love that that's one of my favorite things that's so good yeah i think and so it's it's my opinions of the of all the songs have like really kind of evolved yeah um over the years since i was a kid and now i i really i truly i appreciate that because if a band if like a good example is like if um i don't know like a a modern if harm's way is a perfect example if we were to put out a song that sounded like that people would be like what what are you guys doing <laughs> what the fuck what happened yeah right it wouldn't or like if Vane put something out or even code orange put out like a dancey industrial electronic kit no everyone would be like what on earth is this yeah so it's cool to me that he put out had like a hole in terrible eye these like actual heavy aggressive songs put out this sad desperate piano song and then puts out this yeah yeah. all on the same record and it works and, the, and they're very shameless and just like this
0: is it this is what we're doing and i I think that's really cool and I, i think the other thing too that's cool with stuff like that is that as well like like you mentioned before like this is the first thing like this is the first the first foray of this band into the world to then to go like well every other song is gonna be different i'm not just going you know like and i think a big thing for you know most bands certainly i've done it myself but like you know when you do the first thing you're very revved up and excited by the first thing that you're doing but more often than not the first thing that you do ends up being like the most basic boring version of what you end up becoming um but this is like i mean again like obviously his music has grown and developed quite considerably but still the fact that like on the first record he took chances like that and did lots of different stuff like that's quite impressive you know Dude, and, and I
1: mean, you can kind of, like, of all my my favorite bands and stuff, you can always kind of draw back to, like, where the inspiration came from. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, if you look at it, listen to, like, early Misfits, like we were talking about Danzig, like, you, you hear Jim Morrison in his voice. Sure, yeah. And, and you know, like, I don't, it, it kill them all. Yeah. it's like my least favorite metallica record sure. of all those early ones i i really like i don't even think it's really that listenable i it's my favorite band there's two songs on it that i enjoy yeah maybe three and i just like but from there and i was gonna say i don't really think that that record is is crazy groundbreaking sure because there were other bands at the time yeah doing, doing something the same thing. very similar yeah yeah and then as you follow their lineage, you can see, okay, well, I could see how Kill em All turned into Ride the Lightning, and you could definitely see how that turned into Master. <clears throat> and you see the evolution until Bob Rock got involved, and then you also see why it went that way. Yeah, you know yeah. I mean, like, it makes total sense. And it's the same thing with with Danzig. Like, hmm. he started as a punk band, got really into horror shit, and went into Sam Haynes and stuff like that. And then he just started his own band with a super group yeah. where he could literally do anything he wants. He puts out I'm the one on Lucifuge. That's like a weird blues acoustic guitar song, but it's fucking sick. Yeah. And, but you could still trace it back. You understand where it comes from. That Mm. was my point. This is just so like, boom. Yeah. Because even the, like, like I, I was trying to look up before we were doing this this morning, I was trying to look up other bands that were doing something similar at the time. Mm-hmm. Right. So like if there were a bunch of industrial bands already existing, but they were more like avant-garde, mm. more kind of art, you know, and less pop. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. And like even ministry who had been existing and who also made, they, they made like a weird change from new wave to industrial. Yeah. You know, they had like a weird evolution in their career, but their songs didn't get, um, even really that similar until this record was already out yeah like the like the um whatever the however many ways to suck an egg yeah <laughs> is is like is like my my favorite ministry record um and that was 94 or six or something like that yeah and like this record had already they had already put out two more records by then
0: yeah it's just like and so this that's and what it's, amazes me this in itself ends up then you know taking influence from those things but then the new band ends up influencing all the the bands that it took influence from. Like it's it's pretty wild. Um I think the other thing like when I listened to this as well was that like again looking at it from a a perspective of like <clears throat> I guess my my personal experience of like metal bands and things like that. This this to me sounds like, you know, and where where some people might cringe at it, this to me also sounds like where I'm sure lots of those early new metal bands got a lot of ideas from like particularly mm. bands like I mean honestly bands like Corn. I'm sure listening to a record like this thinking like oh we can like cry on a record maybe <laughs> and we can ah, like oh I see you know I see what you're saying. we can be yeah. like emotional on a record because I'm um, like where el- where else would they have gotten that you know at, at this time that that at least that's where that's something that that came to mind for me like I don't know how true that is for them but like certainly if you think about all the things that they were like they were pulling together to try and make a record I'm sure this had to have some impact on that um that's really interesting that's a good point one of the other things that I thought was weird again like when I was looking stuff up about this yesterday was that like so throughout his career Trent Reznor has had like some very mixed opinions on this record like there's oh yeah yeah like there's lots of him not talking shit but a lot of like he's not really he doesn't seem to be too you know stoked on its like life lifespan or what it's you know how it's held out (laughs) which is which is again it's quite interesting because i would feel like you know this is kind of universally renowned now as like this Mm. amazing groundbreaking record but even still, as the career has developed for him, he st- there's still things that are quite mixed for him on it. And I guess, yeah, one of the things I, in one of the things that I read that he highlighted was like the very adolescent lyric content. And like, oh, really? Did he say yeah, that? That's that, good. I think there's like one of the way where, where he recognizes that, like, one of the things I read he recognizes that, like, yeah, a lot of the lyrics are like what a kid would have written and it is what a mm-hmm. kid wrote. Kind of thing.
1: It, it, it is really interesting. Um I could understand how someone would say like terrible IO that's like all about God and stuff. Yeah, like I I could understand how someone would find that particularly cringy. I don't necessarily, yeah. but I understand. Like I get it. Like yeah, it's kind of it's kind of in the the yard of like eh. yeah, <laughs> kind of silly. But then you have, you know, uh, one thing I can never have like an actually like sad scary sure, song yeah, yeah. to listen to. It, it's very impressive and it shows. I think that he was really just like a little little genius just yeah, a little yeah diamond in the rough, just waiting to really have the time and stability and money to like be able to make these other records that went on to be four times and five times five which yeah, he
0: continued to do it's crazy so for you for you, is this their best record, or is this just the one that you find the most interesting? um so I do a weird thing
1: where like I can i i like to say that a band might have a best record and mm-hmm. then they might also there uh, is another record that's my favorite yeah um so i think their best record is downward spiral i okay. think that's like yeah it's usually it usually coincides with whatever the most commercially successful one is mm-hmm. um so i think that that is kind of it's kind of like dude like metallica yeah like their best record is the black album. It just has to be because it's yeah. the one that did everything for them. So obviously it's the best, but my favorite is master. Yeah. sure. But my favorite songs are on justice. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you can get, you can get in there. Um, but I, I would say if I were like, Oh, I'm going to listen to nine inch nails and I were to just like pick a record. It's going to be this one or the, the EP after this mm-hmm. generally the EP, because I have, you know, we're all spoiled short attention span grown babies who like you know i don't i don't have the patience to listen to a 45 minute record whereas the ep is four or five songs yeah and and is also awesome so it's it just works
0: yeah that's good so i guess for i mean obviously like you know touched on it briefly but like you know harm's way has You know, grown into including more of the the sample parts and industrial parts Mm -hmm. as it's as it's developed, and then you know uh, the last record you got like a full remix done of you know certain songs. The record was is stuff like this where you draw some sense of influence for that, or does that just coincide with doing it? I don't think there there's
1: like any deny that like that's where we draw the influence from. What's funny is. Me, Chris, and James are all big Nine Inch Nails fans. Mm -hmm. Uh, Chris particularly really likes Nine Inch Nails. Um, But all of us are idiots, and we don't know how to work Ableton. (laughs) We don't know how to make stuff. I don't know what a compressor really does. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, Casey, who is our Ableton wizard, and Mm -hmm. is just like a, a legitimate uh, producer on his own. Like before, before I ever met him, he was already collaborating with people and creating music and and doing stuff. Um, he very quickly whipped up a bunch of stuff, um, even before post-human and one of his songs, he wrote the gift, which is on post-human that was all him and like presented it to us. and, And we really liked it and we worked with, with Will and we like made it fit into the record. And, and it's one of my favorite things that we've done. That guy doesn't, he hadn't listened to Nine Inch <laughs> Yeah. Like when, when we would talk about it and we'd be like, oh, you know, like, you know that, that synthy guitar sound in this part on this song? And he'd be like, I, no, yeah. like, I, I don't. <laughs> it's just like not what I'm into. Yeah. He knows how to do it, but he's not into it. it it's bizarre. But um, I, uh, I would really love. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, there's a definite connection, definite influence from nine inch nails when it comes to us implementing similar kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I would definitely, like I said before, I I'm a, I'm a pop music guy. Yeah. And that's something that I've had to come to terms with later on in life <laughs> and just, and just accept that I'm just a sucker for a good hook. Yep. Um, I would love to start to, so I would love to go beyond implementing like samples and, and, uh, certain tones and certain textures and songs which i think is fine and then also start to like okay why was had like a hole on the radio yeah yeah and start bringing those reasons into our writing processes i think would be that would be ideal for me because that's the stuff that i that
0: i really dig you know sure but i think that that's kind of like i mean i would say you know obviously we're friends and i like your band but like I think the, I think the the way that you guys have ended up going with that stuff is is sort of growing in that regard though. Anyway, like not not that you I don't I don't again I don't know I'm not a part of your writing process, but I don't, can't imagine you're all sitting there thinking what's going to be a commercially viable version of this song. But at the same time, like you can see that growth in the songs that you guys have. Is that it is there is you know there is more hooks I feel like in the songs that you guys have now, and even even like. Like having a song like The Gift on your record instead of just having it be a part of another song or have it be a sample that connects one song to the next song, having it be an actual song and then, you know, doing a version of that live as well. Like that's, you know, that's how you start developing that in that path. That's exactly,
1: you know, I mean, we did a uh, there's a a completely like program and sequence song on isolation Mm -hmm.
0: uh,
1: called Becoming that. James showed us the riffs, riff rift for as we were leaving the practice space to go to the studio. Yeah, like it was such a last minute thing. Andy um, from Bricktop here in Chicago. Luckily is so passionate about industrial electronic aggressive kind of noise music. Yeah, that he immediately knew what we were going for and immediately created that and all of those like everything. Chris didn't play drums to that. I think maybe he laid like a kick pattern. Yeah and uh andy sampled everything and and programmed them and and it it came out really well but i mean that was two we wrote we recorded that in 2010. yeah you know so here we are 10 years later with like one and a half electronic songs on the last record (laughs) so i i would really like to do a little more and i and i do think that um with casey Actually, he wasn't writing with us for Post Human. He's writing with us now. Yeah. Um, so you have more of a capacity to do that. Exactly, and we can, you know, we can lean on him a little yeah. bit. He he really that guy. That's what he does in his spare time. He just yeah. like makes music all the time. That's what he does on tour. That's yeah. what he does with Nick. That's just like that's his thing. So it's it's an awesome awesome um asset to the band that I'm I'm very excited for and and yeah that is definitely you can i think you could easily draw all of that back to
0: this record yeah sick um all right well it would be wouldn't be a true podcast if i didn't ask you what your current uh well it's funny i asked this question to the person i did this podcast (laughs) with yesterday a friend of mine and i said so what's your band got coming up and he was like well uh, fucking nothing because we're all <laughs> trapped inside for the foreseeable yeah. future um, but you, yeah. guys are, you guys are still kind of jamming I guess like trying to
1: yeah it's we We have a weird story you and I have already talked about this but I, I think it's interesting so yeah whatever uh, we were supposed to be in Europe uh, right now like yeah. we we're still supposed to be I think actually, actually we may have gotten back by now I don't I, I forget but um, it was supposed to be us knocked loose and and Madball and a band from from europe doing mad balls rebellion tour and yeah. the morning before the travel ban um the tour was canceled and we you know made all the social media posts and all that stuff and then i remember i was watching um i was watching like the the trump address the nation yeah. on cnn and literally when he it was either when he said that the travel ban was going to happen or when the actual travel ban would have started. It was started at midnight on whatever day. Yeah. We were going to be in the air
0: <laughs> as it was like happening. literally on an yeah.
1: airplane. And we would have either, you know, landed in Heathrow yeah. turned right around and come home. Or we would have been stuck in Germany and been in a much, much worse off position. Oh but, yeah. But yeah, it kind of worked out for us. We really wanted to, to, we planned on this year being like a writing year and to be recording by the end of this year. Anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, that being said, we do have stuff lined up for late summer. Yeah. Um, if, if music is allowed to start happening again, we, we do have stuff, um, kind of lined up and we're just honestly, everyone's, everyone in the whole industry is kind of waiting to see what's happening. Like, yeah, it's crazy. As I'm sure, you know, from, from bands to promoters to managers to booking agents to venue staff they're yeah. all kind of like what is happening you know yeah. and it's just a crazy time so i'm really fortunate i should say we are really fortunate that this happened at the end of a record cycle yeah yeah and it, it happened in a time where it's like it sucks that we have to have band practice over zoom like we're doing <laughs> right now but um it's conducive to writing because it, it lets it lets everyone just really not stress, you yeah. know, like every everyone in my band, uh, not everyone, but most of us are working still, even remotely or whatever. Mm-hmm. Everybody's good. Everybody's healthy. Everybody's parents are healthy. So there's like, there's nothing really going on for us personally. So we're able to really kind of focus and yeah, like yeah. write. And we've actually been doing a lot. So, <laughs> it, it, you know, silver lining. Uh, yeah, yeah, I could say to to all of this
0: stuff. Um, but I think- yeah, so, yeah, we, we don't have anything immediate coming up. That's yeah. for sure. I think, yeah, I think, I mean, the, I guess, you know, this I w- I'd been thinking about redoing this for like a year and then I just didn't, you know, everything else got the better of it. Like, like, I actually remember the last t- the last text I sent someone about doing this was the day before I went to America to see you guys. <laughs> And I was like, what was I thinking? Like, why did I send that message? And like, I obviously wasn't going to do it for the following like month after that. But that was like the last time I'd really thought about doing it. And then Mm -hmm. then when it became, you know, apparent the other week or two weeks ago now when it was like, oh, yeah, you have to stay home and you have to work from home. And, you know, like I'd get work done and then. I'd spend the whole day talking to people I worked with about work stuff. And I get to the end of the day and just be sitting there and be like, and it would get to the weekends and I wouldn't get to see my friends. And I was like, I'm going to go insane if I don't start talking to people about something that's not work. So, that was really why I was like, I'm just going to message people that I know will talk about records right now Mm. and just ask them, like, let's just do this at some point. So, it doesn't- My brain doesn't explode just sitting at work all day. I have definitely used FaceTime, Zoom, Skype,
1: and the actual phone <laughs> more in the last week than I have in the last 10 years. Yeah, it's, it's Easy. crazy. Yeah, I, I, it's unbelievable. I just had a, but right before you and I started, I was talking about another, do you remember A. Ross, Aaron mm-hmm. Ross, our friend? Uh, I was talking to, to him about some stuff, um, some animation, like video stuff that I'm trying to do. And we ended up talking for like 45 minutes Because we were both just like, oh, you're a person. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk. We're having we're having a conversation. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I had the
0: same I had the same thing last night. I was just talking like a bunch of our friends just did it over FaceTime in like a group chat and then I was sitting on the couch. I ate dinner and I was just sitting on the couch watching TV and then a notification popped up on one of the apps that was like, oh, this person wants to talk to you. And I just like clicked on it and ended up talking to them for like an hour because it was just like, (laughs) oh, thank God someone else wants to talk to me. Fuck. (laughs) Dude, I I think that is one thing that people are going to really look
1: back on is the content creation, the huge influx of content creation that this is for sure just like forcing out of people because everyone's either stressed or bored or- yeah you know what whatever it's like a thing to do like i've seen and I, i'm one of them i've seen so many posts about oh i'm starting a twitch stream or yeah i just like here's a funny video i made like so much and i think uh you were doing that stuff another... before this all happened though right dude i was uh, i yeah uh twitch.tv slash bos sexy there you go i was doing uh uh twitch stuff and um you know, just like playing video games and stuff. And then I talked to a friend of mine who had an idea of, of doing what I, what I've been doing with the green screen and stuff and putting myself on to band videos and playing along. And like, <laughs> it's the, the way that, that I have to do it without getting too into the weeds is like kind of complicated. And I know nothing about premiere or after effects or any video editing software. That's, I have nothing. I have no background in that and whatever, mm-hmm. but I also have never had more time in my life to learn. Yeah, something. <laughs> exactly. And YouTube has everything you could possibly learn about any subject. So I've just been like teaching myself video editing, teaching myself how to like. I have a light set up right here that I made myself. <laughs> you know, like a like a diffuser studio light and like all this shit. And it's just like, I think uh, everyone's kind of making the best of things and. Um, I think at some day we will, those of us who have not been immediately affected by any of the tragedies or any of the things that should go without saying uh, the downsides of this and like the financial burdens of, of this whole thing that we're going through at some point, we will look back on this period with fondness for the freedom and the kind of creative freedom. And also even the, the veil of like pride. Yeah. Like, Two years ago, I would have been kind of embarrassed to post a video of me playing the sanitarium solos on yeah. my Instagram. Yeah, you know, just because it's kind of silly and yeah. like I fu- I'm fully aware of that. But now it's like, hey man, I'm oh, under quarantine. Like, yeah, what else am I'm I, I rocking, doing? <laughs> I'm rocking Hammond solo, dude. Get off me! You know, like, yeah. I think uh, I, I think it's it's a uh, it's another silver lining to the whole situation.
0: Yeah, it's the time we're in now. Okay. All right. Well. I'm going to stop recording, but thank you very much for doing this. And absolutely. I would say there's a fairly high chance that we probably will just do this again just for the yeah. sake of human interaction. <laughs> I'm all record. about it. There's lots of records. <laughs> yeah, cool. All right. Thank you, mate. Thanks.